Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist Church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit EagleDriveBaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. First uh, Samuel chapter 4. Uh, this is the first few verses here. And it says, The word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle, and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Thank you. Uh, so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants of the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. So it's a story that um, me personally, you know, haven't, haven't read that much. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a telling story, and it's something that has really helped me in, in recent weeks. Um, something that's been very uh, convicting is something that I think us Christians do a lot that we don't really realize we're doing um, until, you know, and I heard someone preach this a, a while ago, and that's what, you know, started me studying this out some more, um, and it's very convicting. Um, but I want to talk tonight about the sin of substitution. And as we, as we read through these verses, um, we see in the first verse that um, Israel was going to battle against the Philistines. And um, during this time, there was no great world power, uh, such as Egypt or Assyria, seeking to dom dominate the region. So Israel's battles were raised against their near neighbors, such as the Moabites, the Ammonites, and as here, the Philistines. So again, there wasn't any big world power trying to take control of everything, so you would only fight with your neighboring people, uh, with your neighboring nations. Um, Israel competed on more equal terms with Moab and Ammon, but the Philistines had Greek military equipment. Um, so they had, you know, like Goliath did, he had better weapons. He had the spear, the sword, the helmet, the shields that the Israelites really didn't have access to. Uh, the Philistines were the first people in Canaan to process iron, and they made the most of it. Uh, the Philistines were an immigrant people from the military of the island of Crete. Uh, small numbers of Philistines were in the land at the time of Abraham, but they came in larger numbers soon after Israel came to Canaan from Egypt. 
and they were organized into five city-states. So they were immigrants that had come, and as time went on, more and more, and more Philistines came in. Um, this was a difficult period for Israel. Uh, never did time seem more hopeless than when Samuel arose. Uh, the Philistines strengthened not merely by a constant influx of immigrants, but by the importation of arms from Greece, were fast reducing Israel to the condition of a subject race. And you know, as we look in the Bible, this was towards the end of the judges. You know, Israel had that time where they were uh, reigned by judges, and they would have their sin. They would start um, serving other idols, and then they would become captive, and they would cry to a judge, you know, cry to God to save them, and God would send in a judge and judge them, and then um, Israel would be delivered, and it was just that constant cycle. Um, and here in a few chapters, we see that they finally won a king, um, and it was not God's timing, and we understand um, you know, Saul was, was made king and just things didn't go very well for the, for the nation of Israel because of that. Um, but we see here in verse 2, again, it says, And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. So 4,000 men died um, in this first battle. And the following verse it says, And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? So they didn't understand why they lost the battle. They didn't understand why the Lord had smitten them. They don't understand why all these people died against the Philistines. And it says, Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the ark of the covenant wasn't there in that battle. It was back in Shiloh, as we see in the next couple of verses. And so the elders said, hey, let's go get the ark, and let's go into battle again, um, which that's all good and well. And I think we understand what the ark of the covenant is. You know, it represents God's presence, God's power, um, God's promises, and God's pardon. Anybody know what items were inside the ark? Anybody know one of them? Susan, what's one of them? Mm-hmm. The manna? Aaron's rod? Yeah, so that was Aaron's rod that had bloomed, the bowl of manna uh, from the wilderness, and then the Ten Commandments, the tablets, the second set of tablets, because Moses had destroyed the first set uh, when he came down the mountain. But that was what was in the ark, um, was those three things. And the Ten Commandments represented God's principles, Aaron's rod represented God's power, and manna represented God's providence. And so there was, there was you know, if you look, you know, there was rules and laws about when you use the Ark of the Covenant. Um, I think about times where it was used before, you know, crossing the Jordan River. When they finally went into the Can into Canaan, the land of Canaan, you know, the Joshua told the high priest to step into the river with the Ark of the Covenant, and once the last high priest stepped in, that's when the river parted. And I remember a pastor preaching this, I don't know, probably two and a half, three years ago, about how, how much faith the high priest in the front had. Because it didn't, the water didn't stop until the last guy stepped in. So think about the first guy going in, and it's, it's flood stage. It's not this little brook that you're going in, or the creek, as people call it. It was a river that was in flood stage um, that was well beyond its borders. And these first two guys have to walk in who knows how deep, hoping that Joshua was right, that, hey, you get this last guy to step in, it'll be fine. Um, I remember a pastor preaching about that. And... And that's, that's where they had been used before. And then also when they walked around Jericho, they walked around six times a day for six days and seven times in the seventh, and they had the Ark of the Covenant with them and blew the trumpets, and the walls fell. Um, so they had been used to the Ark of the Covenant being there 
when these miracles happen. And that's, that's what this sin of substitution is, is they, they used a symbol thinking that it would still work. And they didn't pray for God's presence. All they said, hey, let's go get the ark, because that's supposed to be God's presence. That's where God's at. So if we bring the ark in, it's going to be fine. And then go ahead down to uh, verse, where is it? Uh, verse 10. It says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. So without the ark there, how many died? 4,000. When they brought the ark, thinking they brought the presence of God in the situation, how many died? 30,000. That's just the footmen. It doesn't say if there were other people that died because of it, but that's, that's the difference, that they thought that we're going to bring the ark of covenant in. It's, it worked before. Why wouldn't it work this time? And it obviously did not work. Um, so first of all, I want, to, I want to talk about kind of an introduction here is the oversight. Um, if you look at verse number three again, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to stop you just to say a word in there. So it says, And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistine? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, what's the next word? It. It may save us. So they're not saying that, God will save us. They're saying that it. So they were, they were putting their faith and their reliance really into a box of gold. Because that's all it was. You know, it wasn't anything. I mean, it's like taking this table and saying that this table is going to save us in the battle. That it's the same thing. That's all they said is that it would save us. Um, so they were, they were relying again on, on a symbol instead of on, on the Lord. Um, you know, and it, it's almost, it was... A substitute. You know, I think about margarine and what? Real butter, right? What which is better? Who likes margarine? <laughs> yeah, who who likes real butter? Oh yeah, right? It's it's not as good. You know, I know there's those there's something called no salt salt or something. Exactly. So it's a substitute. And that's that's what the children of Israel did. That's what these elders did, is that we'll bring in the, the Ark of the Covenant and everything will be fine. It's worked before, you know, and you think about how long ago that was. You know, they, they were stories. You know, I remember my great-great-grandpa when he crossed the Jordan River because of the Ark of the Covenant. So surely it's going to work here. Um, I think about, you know, and I'll talk more about this in, in a few minutes, but, you know, just going to church. Oh, if I just go to church, everything's going to be fine. If I just get in church, well, that's, that's a start. Exactly. Yeah, so you're a Christian if you have an Apple phone. Um, pastor will say something later. Um, which that poll ends, I think, tomorrow, and iPhone is winning. I just want to tell people, but that's another subject. Um, but that, you know, it's a good start to, to be in church, but that doesn't get you to heaven. Um, it doesn't. You know, if you, if you go, you know, when you pass away, you go and, you know, God says, why should I allow you to heaven? Oh, I was at church. I never miss a Sunday unless I was sick. Well, did you ask me to come in your heart? No, but I was at church. That's not, you're not going to get into heaven. Um, that, that's not, that's, that's substituting something. Um, but us as Christians think that symbols are what will get the job done. Being religious isn't going to save you. And being a Baptist isn't going to save you. Just because we're Baptists doesn't mean we're Christian, doesn't mean we're saved. Um, it doesn't give us an automatic victory in every battle. Uh, a lot of us have a lot on display, but nothing back in the stockroom. This is a story that I heard a while ago. It's this pastor that likes to wear nice ties. Um, he was in New York City, and he went into the shop. He was waiting to go 
I'm actually on a trip to Israel, and he was waiting to go to that, and he saw this nice suit store, and he went in and saw this really nice tie. Uh, I think it was about 30 years ago, and he saw the tag on the tie was $75, which that back then, I mean, it'd probably be $200 today, uh, which, yes, people spend that much money on a little tiny strip of material. Um, but he wanted that tie, so he went to the manager and said, hey, you know, I want to get this tie. I said, oh, you can't buy that tie. He's like, well, why can't I buy? I want it. He's like, well, that's just a display tie. He's like, don't you have any in the back? You know, if you're showing it, you don't have any in the back? No, that's just a display tie. We don't sell that tie. That's just to sit there in the window. And I think that's what us as Christians do is we have a lot on display. We go to church. We say the right things, but there's nothing in our stock room. There's nothing that we can go to and say, yes, this is why I live like this because I'm saved, because I'm a Christian, because I'm studying the Bible, and that's why I do what I do. Um, and I think, again, is we have that sin of, of substitution. Uh, the Israelites thought that merely the presence of the ark would win them the battle. They thought they could twist God's arm in winning them the victory. And, you know, Pastor actually, I think, mentioned this Sunday morning, is, you know, sometimes we treat God as a genie. You know, let's rub the lamp, and when we really need God, let's rub the lamp, and he's going to grant us three wishes, everything's going to be hunky-dory, everything's going to be fine. Um, but that's not how it works. It's, it's just not. Um, and God, God wants us to be so close to him day to day that we just seemingly have to reach over and he's right there. Which I know he's omnipresent, he's always there, but the way we treat him can make us farther away from him in a relationship. Um, and it's harder for us to reach out to him if we're not close, if we don't have that day-to-day -day relationship. Um, if the Israelites were living how God wanted them, they wouldn't have had to go back to get the Ark of the Covenant. You know, if they had known, okay, every battle we go into, we need to have the Ark of the Covenant there. And again, it's not because of the symbol, but it's because that's what God had said before. Um, they shouldn't have had to go back for it. Uh, it would have been right there with them in the battle. They relied on their own strength to win, and when that didn't work, they used the Christian symbol to win the next battle. So again, in the first battle, they lost 4,000. But then when they thought, okay, now that we have the Ark, let's go. And you see here... Um, uh, where is that? In verse number five, it says, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a what? A great shout, so that the earth rang again. So I was reading some commentaries, and most people said that they were so loud that there was almost like an earthquake. And you go on to the next verse, and it says, When the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And that first phrase there says, and the Philistines were afraid. So that shout was so loud that the Philistines were afraid. And then someone said, oh, it's the ark. It's here. And, you know, and it's funny how sometimes the world is almost more Christian than we are. And let me explain that because the Philistines understood what the ark was supposed to really be is supposed to be the presence of God. So they were afraid. They said, oh, the ark is here. That means their God that destroyed the Egyptians that had the plagues is there. But the Israelites didn't use it that way. They were just using it because that's what they'd always done. And they thought they could trust in it. Um, and that's why the Philistines were so afraid is that that's, they, were, they were so excited that the ark was there um, that they shouted so loud that there was supposedly some type of earthquake or something that scared the Philistines. Um, so there are things we as Christians substitute, um, and I want to kind of talk about them briefly, um, and we'll continue on, because it, it gets better before it gets worse. I know this is like a kind of a sad story about people dying and you know, thinking that 
Um, that's all it is, but it, it does it does get better. They, they learn their lesson, and that's what I hope application is we can learn our lessons too. Um, but sometimes, again, we substitute substance for symbols. Um, you know, a, a religion that I kind of think a lot about using symbols is Catholicism. Um, you know, there's the Virgin Mary, there's the, um, what do you call it, the rosaries. You know, my dad grew up in Catholicism, and he can still say all his prayers and everything. He just has it memorized from so long doing it. Um, and it's just symbols. It's, it's, not, it's not the real thing. Um, you know, I even think about symbols that we have in church, you know, a cross. It's nice, but it's just a symbol. That's all it is. Um, you know, just because we have a, a steeple in our church doesn't make us a better church. It's just a symbol. Um, so it's just there. Um, you know, and I was, I was thinking about some things. You know, we think we're more spiritual because of the Jesus fish on the back of our car or the Bible that's collecting dust in the dashboard, or, you know, the big family Bible that's on the mantle of the, of the fireplace. You know, oh, I'm a, I'm a better Christian family because I have these things. That's not always true. It's not, it's not at all. Um, and, you know, it's good to show people, and I hope if you have that fish in your car that you don't ruin Jesus' name by the way you drive or by the way you react to things, but it's a good way to have that. Um, but again, it doesn't make you a better Christian than anybody else. Um, another thing that we replace sometimes is a touch of God for talent. Um, and we all have some sort of talent. God's given us a spiritual gift. God's given us a talent that we have. And sometimes we rely too much on the talent instead of asking God to use our talent and use it through us. Um, you know, I've seen people, you know, sing that are very talented, but like personally there wasn't the presence of God there, you know. And, and I've seen people that have no talent that sing, and it's powerful. It's amazing because it's coming from the heart, and it's not, it's not, they're not relying on a, a good voice, or that they can play an instrument well, they're relying on God's power, um, and, God, and God can use that um, a lot better, you know, and you can know everything in the Bible, and have all the ability, uh, the ability to, God, to do God's work, but unless you have God's touch, it won't work, you know, and I was talking to Pastor a little bit today, and, it, you know, it's almost kind of like the plates that we're talking about, is, you know, that, um, we're, we're given a talent, but also sometimes we don't use it the way we should. We make those glass plates into plastic plates. Um, sometimes we, we substitute work for worship. You know, I think, and talking about it too, is I think there needs to be a balance of that. Is you know, We need to worship the Lord, but we can't always worship the Lord because we have work to do. Um, we can't always just work, 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 because we have to have a time where we worship the Lord. Um, another thing we substitute is giving for going. Um, you know, when you're saying, okay, I give my tithes, so I don't have to share the gospel with anybody. That's my part is I gave my tithes, and that's all I need to do. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that we have missionaries. Um, I'm glad that we have missions giving, and we have ties so we can do things. But we still need to be doing what we can in our Jerusalem, in our Samaria. Um, and sometimes there's some of us that, you know, I've heard so many stories about somebody that is older that all of a sudden God calls them to be a missionary. Um, and again, I know we talk about Austin a lot, people that have been here for a while, about, you know, starting a church in Austin. You have that list of people that are going. Um, but... You know, if that's what the Lord leads, you know, even I myself have to be willing to go if God, if God moves me that way um, or wherever he moves us. Uh, another thing is we substitute going forward to invitation for repentance. And, you know, that's something that um, I think I've done in the past is you go forward, but then you're just kind of going forward to make yourself feel better almost. Um, maybe that's just me. Um, but, you know, you feel better for yourself. Okay, I'm going to go forward because I know God spoke to me. But then I'm not really going to repent about it, because then if I repent about it, then I actually have to do what I said I would do. Um, but going forward, okay, that makes me feel better. Um, people will see, okay, God's working in his heart, everything's good. 
Uh, we sometimes substitute that. Uh, we also substitute Bible knowledge for holy living. And again, as I said earlier, you can know everything in the Bible, but not apply it at all. Um, you know, I think about even that, that verse, James 1 and 22, and you are supposed to be uh, doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, it's one thing to hear God's word. That's good that we go to church, we hear God's word, but then we need to apply it. And that's why, you know, a pastor, you know, his, the way he preaches, you know, he has God's word, but then he always ends in the application. You know, what do we need to do after hearing this message, uh, whatever it's about? Um, so it's, it helps us to know, okay, I heard the message and this is what I need to do about it. Um, and again, God can talk you to do different things than what pastor asks us to do. Um, and that's, then that's us being, again, close enough to the Lord so that the Holy Spirit's presence can speak to us um, to tell us what we need to do. Um, and this one is kind of a, a pet peeve for me. Um, I'll try not to get too into it. Um, but we substitute our preferences for principles. And I know I don't think we really have preferences at this church anymore. Um, but it, it's something that growing up in church, I've seen a lot. Is you know, we have to have this happen at church, and the pews have to be this color, and the walls have to be this color, and um, the pastor has to wear this, and he has to look like this, or I'm not going to go to that church. Um, and, you know, hearing that sounds foolish, um, and it is. And I, I know I, I appreciate pastor that he, you know, we went to, a, um, me and brother Mike and pastor went to a, a meeting about uh, at another church just to kind of help with some things and uh, as far as first time guests and assimilation and all that. And he, he said something that uh, kind of struck us like, is that right? But then when you think about it, it is right. And he said, you know, I should, I should be willing to do anything imaginable except sin to get somebody to Christ. And again, you, you first hear that and it's, what? That doesn't seem right. But then you think about it, that is right. You know, and that's what, you know, this church has founded that, you know, we're going to stay to the Bible. And the, the doctrines of the Bible, the things of the Bible, we're not going to change. Um, but, you know, our methods can change, so we do things can change. You know, having class on Sunday nights. You know, at, at first I was like, no, we're supposed to have a Sunday night service on Sunday nights. We're all supposed to be in auditorium on Sunday nights. Uh, even me, it was, I didn't want to at first, but I've seen the growth. I've seen people saved because of it. I've seen, you know, families grow closer together. I've seen families grow um, spiritually because of that. Um, and I've seen that that's, that's what works. Um, and I did a, a little object lesson in children's church, and I don't have the whiteboard here for it. I'm still going to do a little bit of it tonight. So um, somebody raise your hand and tell me what your favorite color is. Maddie. Justin. Green. Green. Clarissa. John. Blue. Red. Any others I haven't been mentioned? Anybody like yellow? Pink? Black? I know some people's favorite color is black. Okay, mine's blue. Okay, so somebody name your least favorite color. Green, orange. So whose favorite color was green? So Clarissa doesn't like the color green. <laughs> is that why you like green? Because you like money? Yeah. So and what I was talking about in children's church is, you know, just because somebody doesn't like something you like doesn't mean you can't, you, you hate them or you can't be friends with them. And, you know, there's, there's things that, you know, that, that we do at the church that sometimes I don't like, but it's okay. It's, you know, again, if, if pastors start trying to change the doctrines, 
yes, biblically, I should go to pastor and say, hey, you know, it says in here, yada, 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 I don't agree with that. Um, I mean, you know, I don't really have an example right now coming to my head of something that I don't like that we do here. I mean, I think right now I love everything. But even, you know, the Sunday nights thing, you know, at first I didn't like it. Um, but I knew his heart and I knew where he was wanting to take the church. And so I know, okay, let's see how it goes. Uh, and I think, I think we're all good on that um, as far as, you know, substituting our, substituting our preferences for principles. Um, you know, we spend too much time in our Christian life worrying about what we do or don't like in church instead of just worshiping the Lord and doing his will. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, I need to focus on is, you know, not really thinking about what I do or don't like, but just worshiping God, being in church for the right reason. And to know that that's what, you know, the Lord wants to speak to me personally today. Um, you know, he's here for the church, just like, you know, he died for the whole world. But it's a personal thing, too, to know that if I was the only person on earth, he still would have died for me. And if I'm the only person in this church building on a Sunday morning, God can still talk to me. You know, I remember uh, it was two winters ago. We had a really bad ice storm. I think it was on December 31st or the, around there. And a lot of people couldn't come to church. And uh, I was already here um, just because I get here early for some reason. Um, but we decided to still have church for those, and we're going to live stream. Um, so it was uh, Pastor and Amanda and Nate. No, I wasn't born yet. And then me. And then I think Brother Alan showed up. And then uh, Pat and Rosemary showed up. And that was it. Um, the Joneses tried to get out of the driveway, and they kept sliding, so they just went back in. So there were six of us. But we went ahead and still had a full service. And it was still a great service. Um, you know, that verse talks about where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. Um, and... That's what it is, and to know that we're here for the right reason. Um, so now the good part, happy part. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 7, just a couple of pages over. 1 Samuel chapter 7. So if you read the rest of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 4, we find out when they, when they lost the battle, the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant with them. Um, and also the, the high priest's sons, um, I can never say their names right. Um, where are they at? Hophni and Phineas. I always think of Phineas and Ferb, but I know that's not right. Um, <laughs> um, is Hophni and Phineas died in battle. And when they told the high priest, he fell back and broke his neck and died. And then um, I think it was Phineas's wife was about to have a baby, and when she found out the news, she went into labor and died during childbirth, and she named the child, and we know, huh? Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has left, or something along those lines. So that was what happened after this battle. So not only did 30,000 more, 30, more men die, but they lost the Ark of the Covenant, they thought was God's presence, which it at this point wasn't, um, and then their high priest died, and then this child is born um, named Ichabod. So you go forward about 20 years. Look at First Samuel chapter 7 and verse 5. And it says, And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. So it's already starting different than the last battle, is that there's prayer. Verse 6 says, And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted, on that day. So there's prayer and there's fasting. And said there, we have sinned against the Lord and there's repentance. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. 
And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were what? Afraid of the Philistines. So the last battle, who was afraid? Philistines were afraid. This battle, the Israelites are afraid. Verse 8 says, And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking, a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them, and they came under Bethphar. So you see how different, totally different that is now. It is before they brought the Ark of the Covenant, 30,000 men died, all these other people died. They lost the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And in this battle, it doesn't even mention the Ark of the Covenant, that it's even there. And so again, they start off by asking Samuel to pray and to, to, to not stop praying. And they fasted and they repented, and then they did a sacrifice. And so they, they learned their lesson. And you know, part of the application, I hope, is that whenever we fail and understand we're going to, we're human, we have that sin nature, and we're going to fail. But I hope that we can learn from our lessons. I know there's those besetting sins that sometimes we just, just it's easy to go back to. Um, but there's times where, you know, as, as a parent, when your child does something and you discipline them, you hope that they learn a lesson not to do that again. You know, I think about when a child first touches the stovetop. You know, you hope it's hot enough where they say, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or maybe there's the one child that's like, ooh, that was fun. Let's do it again and again and again. Um, but you hope that your kid learned their lesson. And that's what the Lord wants is that, you know, he tests us sometimes to see if we'll fail and he's going to discipline us. But he hopes that through that, we do learn a lesson. We do understand, okay, this is what I did this time and that didn't work. So maybe let's go back to the Bible and try it. And that's what the Israelites did is they learned their lesson. And we see now that, you know, it didn't even say that Israel had to fight the Philistines. It says, And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered. So at first battle, the Israelites shouted and made a great shout. This time, the Lord thundered himself. And you see what happened is the Philistines were discomfited, and they were smitten. And then they started running away, and the Israelites were able to chase them down and smote them. Um, and they won the battle. And Again, you see how different this, this outcome is. And I think we've all been there where we try to do something and we do it totally the wrong way. Um, you know, we think, okay, or we've seen this before, just like they did. You know, we've seen the ark be used before, so let's go ahead and bring it in. Everything's going to be fine. Um, you know, God's brought me through this test before. I see how it happens, so I'll just go ahead and take care of this one. You tag me in, I'll do it. You did it last time, let me do it this time. And rarely ever does it work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I think about you know when it says that they. Um, that they that they fasted and that they they repented of their sin. You know, it says we have sinned against the Lord. You know, I think about all the time. You know, a special part we do here is you know the Lord's Supper, communion, and it always talks about in the Bible how you need to make sure your heart is clean before you partake, um, and that's a commandment there. But I think you know every Sunday, and I pray that in our I try to every Sunday. You know, in our in our prayer time at ten o'clock on Sunday mornings is you know hopefully that we can repent of the sin that's in our heart. You know, and even the, the, the battles and the burdens that we have is ask God to, you know, just move that to the side so that we can focus on the Lord. Because if you have sin in your heart, the Holy Spirit's not going to speak to you how he wants to. Um, and even if it's somebody on the opposite side of the church that you maybe say, you know what, before we start church, I have to apologize for whatever. Um, and you'll see a difference in how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Um, during that service. So you just have to, you, and again, it's, you know, keeping close accounts with the Lord to know that if you sin, okay, I'm going to repent right here instead of letting it just fester, um, you know, kind of like the sin of bitterness, that root that grows, um, you know, just getting over that and repenting of it. Um, so it's time we put our religion and little preferences aside and get on our knees and just ask for his presence. That's what eventually Samuel prayed for and sacrificed for is, you know what? Forget the symbols, forget whatever we've seen in the past. We just need God. And I think, you know, again, it's it's something that sometimes seems so easy. Like, oh yeah, I know, I know God's presence. But I think sometimes in the busyness of life and the monotonous of life, you know, we we forget about it. And it's not that we forget God exists, but we forget to continually ask for his presence. And it's something again that we have to do daily. You know, we have to die to self daily, but then we have to replace that with God's presence in our life. And again, it's just, it's keeping a close relationship with him where it is easy to pray. Um, you know, if, if your child, you know, doesn't stay in a close relationship with you and then ask for something, it's going to be harder to tell them yes than if they're doing what they're supposed to do, they're in a close relationship with you, and they ask something, oh yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, and I think, you know, our relationship with God works the same way is that, you know, we're, we're supposed to be doing his will and, you know, serving him where we need to serve him and studying the Bible. And that way, when we ask for his presence, it's right there, um, you know, and things can, can be taken care of um, easier. So, um, again, it's something that, you know, I hadn't really read in depth before. It's one of these passages that, you know, you read and kind of glance over. Um, but I had just been um, really convicted of that just to understand that it's a daily thing, is that we need the Lord's presence, you know, every Sunday service. You know, and, and recently, you know, I keep saying this, but I feel like each service gets better and better. Um, and I think sometimes, oh, there's got to be a, there's got to be a top to this, right? There's got to be something where it just doesn't get any better. But as far as the Lord's concerned, there is no glass ceiling. Um, so I hope that, you know, and not even just church services, but you just your everyday life is that you're asking for God's presence in your life. And I think when, when you ask for those things, you know, just like when you ask the Lord to give you grace, He's going to give you opportunities to show grace. And sometimes it's not fun when you ask the Lord for something. It's like, okay, you want to show somebody grace? Well, here you go. Somebody that you really don't like, and I'm going to put you right in front of your face, and you're going to have to talk to them. It's like, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I meant some other way. Um, so sometimes, you know, I even think about stories where um, people say, oh, I'm never going to go to Africa as a missionary. And then what happens? End up being a missionary in Africa. Um, but, you know, if we really 
desire for God to work, then we do need to ask for those things. Uh, we need to ask for opportunities to to share the gospel. And one of those things, again, is coming up on the 21st. You know, who knows the outcome we can have from that? Um, you know, there's going to be probably thousands of people going through that Walmart on that Saturday. And we pick the grocery side, so it's going to be even more packed. But it's just, you know, it's, it's finding opportunities um, and praying for strength when God does show you the opportunity to say, okay, I'm ready for this. I knew this was going to come, so I'm ready. Instead of, whoa, that kind of caught me off guard. I'm not ready for that. Um, so it's just, it's just really making sure that we're not substituting God's true presence for something else. 